0: Hello, I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a show about conversation, community, and the people that bring community to life. My guest today is Todd Schmarderer, the Chief of Police for the City of Omaha. A native Omahaan, Todd Schmarderer was appointed the 32nd Chief of Police for the City of Omaha in 2012. The Chief leads the largest law enforcement agency in the state of Nebraska, which is comprised of 860 sworn officers and 200 non-sworn personnel managing an operating budget of $140 million, and serving a population of 460,000 residents in the city limits. The Chief is a 21-year veteran of the Omaha Police Department. He serves on the boards of many organizations, including Nebraska Crime Commission, the Omaha Police Foundation, and the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Midlands. Chief, thank you for being on the show today. You're welcome, Stuart. Thanks for having me on. So you've been in the police force for 21 years.
1: Actually, it just hit 22 years. Okay. So 22 years I've been with the Omaha Police Department. I came on in 1996, and it's uh, through those 22 years, I had the opportunity to work about every, every part of the Omaha Police Department. So when I had the opportunity to be chief, I had a pretty good, pretty good idea of what the city needed, pretty good idea of what the police department needed to move to move forward. So it, it, it was a nice blend. So sometimes experience isn't necessarily a bad thing.
0: So let's jump back then, because sure. you're, you're an Omaha. Mm-hmm. And I'm always curious, not being from a Maharishi, I'm always curious about people's experience of, of growing up here. Right. So so what was your, uh, your, your upbringing, your childhood like?
1: Well, I don't have a, a story where I, you know, a rags to riches story or I overcame a whole lot of hurdles. The reality of it is I had a tremendous family life growing up. I grew up in Omaha. My parents afforded us everything that we, we needed, but parented us the right way. So we were prepared for life once once we got out of their house. Went to Omaha, Omaha Roncalli High School. Once I graduated from there, I took a football scholarship to Wayne State, Wayne State College. I played there a year, and going from Omaha to Wayne State, a lot smaller city, it was too much of an adjustment for me. So I came back, and I ended up graduating from University of nebraska Omaha with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice about a couple months after that i got hired by the police department went back to to college through the university of cincinnati got a master's degree about eight nine years ago and so my my upbringing in the city stems from i I knew the city i played sports in the city i i I traveled it as a kid I, i understood it liked it a lot and then as a law enforcement officer i I was assigned to every part of the city, and you get a different feel when you're in a police car. You understand more intuitively what goes on that's great, what are the things that need improvement, so that allowed me to, to really patrol every aspect of the city. Moved on to the detective bureau where I could see the back-end investigations part of things. Also had a, a three-year stint as the training academy commander, which is an incredibly important position because it helps establish a culture for the Omaha Police Department and a, and a training environment that you need to do things the right way. And then I ran the traffic unit for a while, and it was an assistant chief for two and a half years. When our when our past chief decided to retire, the city opened it up to a national police chief search, and I put my name in the hat and and came out on top. And it's it's been a it's a tremendously rewarding career. I could tell you the one thing about Omaha. Omaha is a great city. You look at other cities our size, spend some time there, spend some time in Omaha, you're going to really appreciate how Omaha does things. But the thing about the thing about being chief here in, in Omaha that makes it so great is every aspect of this community. And, and it's so diverse, which is, which is what's great about Omaha. Such a great diversity in our city, but everybody's always been very fair with me. And I've always appreciated that partnership. Even if I tell you what you don't want to hear, they've always respected the truth. And I think that's that's the, the hallmark of what some good relationships started out here in the city of Omaha. And I'm just happy to be a part of it.
0: You know, so I, I do want to explore some of the aspects you mentioned mm-hmm. about um, having been in many, many aspects of the Omaha Police Service. So you've seen a lot of things, and you suggested that you could see what was great, what was maybe not so great. Mm-hmm. But just then you were alluding to, I, I think, tough conversations, telling the truth, mm-hmm. um, speaking across difference. And, um, you know, the city is, is, is fairly segregated in in uh, ethnic terms. It's Fairly segregated, I guess, in, in terms of wealth sure. placement, that Absolutely. kind of thing. Um, but you said that people really appreciated the truth from you, even if it wasn't perhaps what people wanted to hear. Right. A- and I'm wondering if, given the, the, the really prominent and essential role that you and your officers fulfill in the community, wh- what are some of the hard truths? Um, because I think, I think we know what good truths are because we're sort of living those. But what are some of the hard truths you've had to share?
1: Well, some of the some of the hard things that we've had to overcome, and 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 I'm hoping to some degree people realize this, feel it, and I, I believe they do, because I get that type of feedback. But if you go back ten years in time, fifteen years in time, Omaha was a very different place in it than it is today. If you go back to 2007, the city had 250 shootings for that year. 250 citizens of Omaha were shot. And that didn't account for who who happened to die from those gunshots. Those were shootings in which they lived. And we, we recognized way back then that there was an epidemic. That, that's way too many people being shot in our community. You had 40, mid-40 average of, of people dying in our city of murder. So it was way too much. So one of the first things we did when I took over as chief is we, we analyzed every aspect that we could and a couple things stood out very glaringly. One was that fact, and as Chief of Police and my command staff, we weren't gonna sit idly by while we had an epidemic going. But the second piece, and this is where some of those those hard things come to line, where not everybody wants to hear what we have to say, but amongst our staff, the solution to reducing this violence was not heavier enforcement, was not more police officers. What it was was smarter policing and better policing in our communities that deserve it. And the way we did that is instead of saturating an area with police officers who, let's say you, for an example, let's dial it down. You have crime in one part of the city. If you want to saturate a neighborhood and that's all the direction you're going to give, guess what's going to happen? Nine out of the 10 people you stop are going to be law-abiding supporters of the police. And you might happen upon that violent criminal once in a while, but imagine the damage in the police-community relation stress that that has along the way. So if you can recognize that a small percentage of the population, no matter what segment of the city that you are in, is responsible for that violent crime, and you can focus your efforts on that and leave everybody else out of the equation, You stand a far better chance of reducing crime. And the second hard piece was our police-community relations was not where it should have been. The community was not in unison. They did not support the police, and there was reasons for that. And that turnaround had to come from the police department internally to make that change so that we can be partners with the community. Fast forward to now, 2017 was the lowest number of shootings that we had on record for for many, many years. So far back, we can't count. Ninety-one. 91, down from 250. And our homicides the last two years have been 29 and 30, which is which is very low for the city of Omaha. So it, it pleases us as a command staff to know that less people are being hurt in our city based on some of the policing changes that we've made.
0: I really want to talk about that aspect of community relations. Sure. Uh, for me, I feel like that's essential. I do too. Um, I'm not entirely sure that that message necessarily is being communicated well, and I, and I think this mm-hmm. is an opportunity to talk about that. But before we do that, um, I have no experience with uh, working in law enforcement in any way. So, of course, like many people, I rely upon shows like The Wire to explain everything to me. Sure. Um, so, you watch these TV shows and you, you, you sort of get this sense that there is a business mindset being applied to a public service driven by efficiencies and data mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, the stats reports. And you've mentioned some stats, but I, I wonder if, to some degree, you and maybe your officers feel encumbered by having to operate a bit like a
1: business when that
0: isn't, you know, the, the full picture of what you need to do.
1: Sure. Well, look at it this way: this is this is how we try to to manage the police department. You have to look at data because you have a thousand employees. You have to allocate resources appropriately, and there are best practices of policing that are tested, tried, and true through the university system. They'll run tests on these things. And it you're doing yourself a disservice if you're the one deciding what works and what doesn't work on, on every occasion. To some degree, don't we always, whether it's in the medical field, the business community, and now in law enforcement, don't we always look at past practices? What works? What's the best thing that works? So we analyze what works in cities like Omaha. The one thing that, that I do as chief and my deputy chiefs do, we have a very keen understanding of what other cities are doing very keen understanding of the field that they have. And what we try to do is take best practices, combine that with the data collection so we can allocate resources appropriately and analyze where we're at and where we need to go. But we try to do it under the total umbrella of police-community relations because we realize the relationship piece is the most important part of any community right now. It's, It's what will drive crime down. And if you don't have it in place, it can make for a very acrimonious city. We all know cities across this country right now that the police and the community struggle with that relationship. And if something happens, it tends to overboil sometimes. And spend some time in those cities, they're not quite as quite as good and quite as peaceful as a city that strives to have solid police-community relations. And the one thing I feel about Omaha right now, yes, we're going to have our issues, Stuart. Absolutely. There's a thousand police officers out there and there's going to be some mistakes made. And there's crime in our city. So you, you combine all of that and there's going to be some mistakes. But one thing I noticed about Omaha that I really appreciate as I, as I get to spend some time around as chief in other cities is some of the issues surrounding the other cities stem from the very simple fact that the community and the police department aren't quite sure if they want to be in a relationship. One side or the other or both is not committed to it. Omaha, I feel differently. I feel the police department is committed to being in this relationship, and the community is as well. Now, of course, you can never talk in absolutes. There's half a million people here, and there's a thousand police officers. You you might have, you might have some splinter off from that, but as as a whole, we want to be in a relationship, and it's been that way for the last five years, and now we're seeing the fruits of our labor.
0: You mentioned the fruits of that labour, and mm-hmm. I'm maybe I'll pay the context and, and sure. then ask the question. So it's a little over romanticised. I accept that going into what I'm about to say, but okay. my experience as a as a Brit is that I, I used when I was younger, I used mm-hmm. to see more policemen on foot on on the beat, as sure. it were. And of course, the, the British police more increasingly are, are now armed, but. Typically the typical Bobby on the beat is is not armed. There's mm-hmm. there are armed response units available. Right. And so my relationship with the police has always been framed by that. And I, I don't think it would surprise many people if I said that it's a little intimidating to me to not only to know the police are on, but also that members of the public are uh, probably licensed, also maybe carrying mm-hmm. weapons. So that's the context I come from, which is partly why I acknowledge a bias that what you're talking about, this idea of community relations, right. seems so important to me. Um, so the question is, you've talked about the fruits of your labor around building that community relationship, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you could put some tangible examples um, express some tangible examples that would illustrate to people the efforts that you're making sure. to reach out to the community and, and perhaps in turn how the community is
1: is holding its hand back out to you. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about our fruits of our labor and, and what are the, some of the things that we did to get there. So let me tell you what some of those fruits are. Obviously, I talked about 250 shootings going all the way down to 91. Our homicide levels are at its lowest level that we've had in many, many, many years. The gang and violent gang and gun violence in general is just simply down based on those statistics. But here's a piece of information that that we're pretty proud of at the police department. Four, four, or five years ago, we we have about 134 citizen complaints. That means 134 citizens came into the Omaha Police Department. These are off-memory my numbers, so I might be off one or two. Came into the Omaha Police Department and talked to our internal internal affairs and said we were not treated appropriately. In 2017, we had 34, the lowest number on record. So when you combine crime going down coupled with complaints against the police going down coupled with that x-axis of clearance rates going up, the last five years, we've solved nearly 80% of all homicides in the city. Going back decades and time before, we were around 33 50% average for a city our size, about 50%. So for Omaha to clear 80% of our homicides that is probably your single greatest indicator of how well police and a community are working together because you need the community to come forward as witnesses in order to solve these things. And that's what I tell a lot of my staff and a lot of chiefs across the country. If you want to get a gauge of police community relations, go to the websites of the major cities, look at their number of shooting trends, or is it up and down and ask yourself in search what percentage of their homicides are they solving? And you'll get a pretty good feel of what the community and the police is like in those cities. So we have a lot of fruits from our labor. And, and what we have done is, to get to this point, is recognize that we're in this in a, in a partnership with the community. It sounds overgeneralized because, to some degree, I have to, Stuart, because I could talk for days on the tentacles of everything. But the beauty of, of this crime drop really in Omaha is it's been led by the community. There's a group called the Omaha Network 360 that meets every Wednesday. And it's an umbrella organization that brings in all the the stakeholders in the community. And the Omaha Police Department is there every Wednesday. So we have an opportunity to address issues that come up on a weekly basis. We're not waiting for things to overflow. We're not waiting for that officer-involved shooting that might be, might be sketchy and the community boils over. No, we're addressing our problems on a weekly basis. So to define you know, just what I feel has gotten us to this point is the constant desire for the community of police to work together and we're addressing small issues as they come up all the time including last week, including two weeks ago, things that you don't hear about in the paper and those partnerships are formed so when something big does happen the community knows that as as chief they have a relationship with me and they know that that I will do the right thing and they'll at least give me the time to address it. And we've had some issues in our community, we certainly have but I feel that we have had a a community support to overcome those issues.
0: You know it seems In some ways, well, maybe the the question I should be asking is around some of the more overt national tensions between, Mm -hmm. for example, Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, and that as an expression of community relationships. And then also added to that, maybe some of the tensions around immigration, both legal and illegal. Sure. And the role of cities in that tension between looking after citizens within our more ethnic communities, while at the same time responding to the demands that are maybe being placed upon you by federal institutions. So I just wonder if you have observations upon those sorts of relationships, given this focus on trying to de-escalate tensions and to amplify the relationship, positive relationship you have with our community.
1: The Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter piece, obviously it played out across everybody's TV sets. In 2014, 2015, that policing had a ways to come. And if you go back in time and look at where we're at now across the nation, the policing's improved. Policing has improved and some of the things that have advanced were because of that movement. So good came of that. And and I, I would say that during that time period, everybody, things are, good things will come of this. Sure, the pendulum will swing too far sometimes, but at the end of the day, some good's going to come out of this. And some good came out of it nationally. Some good came out of it locally. The one thing that we noted here locally is some of the issues and some of the the policing procedures and tactics that we were witnessing across the country as new and novel. And this is what we're going to do in the face of this controversy Omaha has been doing for 10 years, well before I was even chief. So we felt very confident in what we did, yet we still wanted to tweak. We still wanted to move forward and try to advance. And then the president came out with his twenty one point President Obama came out with his twenty one point plan to policing. And of course, as as astute commanders within the police department, we went through that line by line and we checked it out. And we, we had about twenty out of twenty one right then and there. So we felt that our progress superseded and came before the national wave. The reason it came before is we had an issue here in Omaha that took place in March of 2013, in which we had ultimately culminated in six police officers being fired. And that incident there was a breaking point for the Omaha Police Department. And the breaking point turned out to be a very positive event. Stemmed from a very negative event, it turned into a great positive. For one, the community got to see that, that I was supportive of the community and we were gonna carry a professional line with our Omaha Police Department, but it did something else. It showed and sent a message to all law enforcement officers in Omaha that there's a right professional way to do things and that's where we're gonna be. And Stuart, when we talk about progress, I recall that moment in time. It was a very lonely moment for me as chief, as you might imagine. And when the community came out and supported what I did, I didn't feel so lonely anymore. And that the sentiment amongst the rank and file was, I'm not so sure they cared for me too much after that. But you know what the sentiment is now when somebody gets terminated? The officers look at each other well, that's not how we act. So that's progression. That's progression towards professional policing with a staff that's, that's truly amazing. We got a lot of talent in the Omaha Police Department. So we were able to pull it off for that reason and that, that mindset shift, and that all of that took place in Omaha before the national movement occurred. So we implemented many of the things that the national movement was pushing upon police departments to implement it. We implemented it before because we had our own issue to address. So timing helped us on that front. On the immigration issue, it's, it's a very important issue for me because I need the community to come forward and help us solve crimes. I need them to report crimes. I need them to feel safe in this city. And I cannot have somebody that is of an immigrant, that's an immigrant in our city, not coming forward and being victimized and having the police department not know about it. So we we take the stance as Omaha Police Department is we don't get involved in immigration matters. That's not what we do. We enforce the local and state laws of this of this state and of this city. And we're not really asking what your immigration status is. Now there are exceptions to that. If you have somebody that's extremely violent, yes, then we'll get we'll get involved in that aspect. But as a general rule, when those officers are going to your house and you want to report a crime, they're not going to ask you what your immigration status is. If we don't do that, Stuart, I have a whole segment of victims that's unreported, and I can't have that. And that's not good for anybody. And and when you take that a step further, we have a large immigrant. And refugee population in Omaha. A lot of refugees are placed here in the city of Omaha from from the federal government side. They might be Syrian, they might be Sudanese, they might be Somalian and imagine you talked earlier about some of your some of your concern and your fear because you're from you're from Britain and they don't the officers there don't always wear guns. Imagine if you came from Sudanese or Somalia and the police were the oppressors. How are you going to acclimate to this country? So one thing that we make sure that we do is when they come to this city, we're part of that committee that shows them what it's like in the city of Omaha and what it's like to live in the United States. And we try to get them to see, when you see this police uniform, you see somebody friendly, not an oppressor. When they pull you over for a traffic stop, they're not shaking you down for $100. When you see this police officer, you can run to them and not from them. And that, that mindset and people's experiences and, and the way that they were brought up can shape that. And it's very, very hard to break through that vernacular. But in a lot of ways, Omaha has done that. And we look to polish this up even more and continue along that front.
0: You know, you touched on something that I hadn't really given too much thought to in, in, in this discussion. But in some ways, Omaha does have a fairly unique situation having a very large refugee population from certain parts of the world. We do. And so I would imagine that places, as you've just been indicating, certain unique pressures on both the mindsets, the skills, and the resources that the department has.
1: Absolutely. And that's something we're happy to to be associated with, though. We, we don't look at it as a burden. We look at it as an opportunity. We don't question who's brought into our city, we don't really care. Once you come into our city, you're ours. You're part of us and you're family. Whether you're a visitor to Omaha you live in Omaha, whether you're from this country or not from this country. And that and that's the way we believe. And there, there's a lot of talk about that going across the country right now. And sometimes the national talking points don't always apply to, to local venues and local cities. And here... We, we simply have a, a community policing philosophy, and we want to uh, make our city as best we can, and, and I, am, as chief, am not inclined to be an arm of the immigration enforcement in this country, because there are federal government, there's a role for them to do that. Once police departments across this country, and I'm a member of the major cities police chiefs association, and all fifty of the top cities in this country, we all share the same mindset, we've all agreed to this, is we, we have to we have policing to do, not immigration. And the minute we start doing one or the other, it means we're not gonna be successful at the other one. And from a just from a human standpoint, it's it's our job that we don't want any victims going unreported. We also want to catch Those who are perpetrating crimes and we need witnesses, we need the community to come forward and do that. And it wouldn't be very smart of a police chief to damage that, would it?
0: You are listening to Lives. We'll be back after the break. I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives. My guest today is Todd Schmarderer, the Chief of Police for the City of Omaha. So I'm, I'm going to beg your forgiveness of my ignorance sure. in asking this question, which is, I, I don't know how this operates in America or in, in Omaha. I don't even know if we have one h- here in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about community relations, is there a, um, a civilian police ombudsman, you mentioned that complaints had gone down, right. which clearly is a mark of, of some success in, in that work. And we were talking about the fruits of mm-hmm. y- your work and your labors in terms of building community relations. Is there a, a, a civilian ombudsman or, or should there be one?
1: Well, there should be. Uh, every Every city should have some form of civilian oversight. I, I believe that. Every police department should. We have a civilian review board here in Omaha. Well, you got to remember this, Stuart, the The civilian review boards and the oversight arms of law enforcement agencies across this country can take various forms. It can be an ombudsman, which they have in the correctional institution here in Nebraska, but not so much for police. It could be in the form of a police auditor, it could be a board, or it can be a commission. It doesn't really matter what format it is as long as there's some oversight. And the second piece to know about that is that oversight arm is supposed to step in when the when the chief and the deputy chiefs are not handling what they're supposed to be handling. And if a chief is being transparent in what they're doing, there'll be very little use for that oversight board. And that's kind of what's, what's occurred here in Omaha is we have one. It's not talked about a whole lot because we're transparent as to what we're doing. But for certain, Stuart, you need to have civilian oversight, somebody that you're answering to to get a glimpse into what the police department is doing. The closed-off, secretive society that can't happen anymore in this country. Too many issues have come from it. You've cited
0: some data that tells us that, in general, uh, major crime, those things that really do impact society in, Mm -hmm. in, in negative ways, are going down. Nonetheless, the general national level of anxiety i think in some ways is irrationally going up sure and i i just wonder what that feels like locally do you feel as if the community is
1: aware that criminality here is actually decreasing there there's there's some awareness to that but it's not going to do you much consolation if you've just been the victim of a crime and we've we've had that here occur recently. We've had four very high-profile, very traumatic, causing trauma to the community, causing murders in Omaha here recently. One occurred at the end of 2017, in which three people were killed. Occurred in North Omaha, tremendous family, and it caused a lot of trauma in our community. And then another one, an individual by the name of Sergeant Kyle Lafleur, was killed in our community caused a lot of trauma, a lot of damage, and and both of those cases were solved because of community support and and good police work and that combination, but how hard is it for me to talk about successes in the aggregate, which you have to as a chief, as you're talking about the tone and tenure of your city, very hard for me to do that knowing that I just have four victims Okay, so it's it's very tough for me to talk along these lines, knowing that Omaha is not going to go the remainder of this year without a homicide. Okay, and then right after the aftermath of that homicide, it would be very natural for the community, natural as human beings, to say to yourself, wow, things aren't that safe. So that's the other reason why I always talk about trends and where we were and where we're at now, because one of my jobs as chief is to have that even keel. I can't get too high and I can't get too low. This is this is a marathon, not a sprint. And part of my job is to is to point out and have a level of calmness as we have these outbreaks and violence which you're going to have in a city the size of Omaha. But as I said earlier, there was never a need for us to have them at the epidemic levels we did in 2007. So Omaha should take a lot of pride in itself for getting itself out of that epidemic state, while many cities across the country that you see and hear about all the time, everybody hears about Chicago and Baltimore and even Kansas City and St. Louis, though those those epidemic type of situations that they have going on replicate themselves over a lot of other cities across this country. You just don't hear about them because of their headlines. And Omaha's not in that picture anymore. And from a human side how many how many people have been spared victimhood because of that and so the part of that part of my job is of course is to is to manage the train of the environment and and but I do I, I do wanted to point that out because let's say next week we have a very traumatic homicide scene or a very traumatic crime as a human being aren't we all going to think wow is it safe go home tonight and watch TV and if you hear about a crazy crime in California, you're going to apply it here too. It's it's, it's human nature. Mr. you do what I say sir, I just what I mean. Give me a number now. Pizza, a what's your number? I don't answer. Pizza, a what's your number, man? I don't answer. It's a what's your number now. It's a what's your number now. 5456. That's my number. 5456. That's my number. 5456.
0: Given your long career mm-hmm. and some of the experiences you've had, that frankly, I. Don't wish myself or anybody else. Um, and talking about trauma too. How do you, as an individual, as this human being in the field, how do you look after yourself? How do you, how do you go home and spend time with family and just be a complete
1: human? Sure. Well, one thing I haven't always been successful at that, Stuart. <laughs> Obviously, you know my my personal life and my relationships, and they suffer from that until I learned to not let it suffer from that. As chief, though, the first thing I need to do is make sure the community and my law enforcement officers are taken care of first. Once that is done and then that situation, then maybe then I'll have an opportunity to take care of myself. And for many, many years as chief, I didn't, I didn't carve out that time. But now, now I do. And one of, the, one of the simplest things that you can do is, and, and soldiers will do this before they go, to, go into battle, they'll, they'll prepare their mind. Hey, this is really going to be bad. But I'm not going to let it mess me up mentally. And I, and I will do that when I'm being briefed on homicide scenes and I know I'm going to be seeing the autopsy photos. I'm going to know I'm going to be hearing about something gory. I'll prepare myself. And it, it's a good way to categorize things in your mind and it makes it easier to flush out at the end of the day. But also the, you have to have a maintenance with with your mind too when you when you do this type of work, you you have to be prepared to deal with that trauma on it on, on a daily basis and to some degree you have to desensitize you to it but that is almost nearly impossible when you're dealing with human beings especially kid victims and especially especially victims that are are, are so innocent that that is hard to do but we have protocols in place for the omaha police department a peer support program and we have the greatest um you know the mental health doctors that we make sure that, that our staff that are involved with critical incidents go to, get cleared to go back to work. And we have a maintenance program for the mental health of our, our officers in in the Omaha Police Department, and it's worked, it's worked great. When we didn't have that, we saw so many officers leave, uh, take disabilities. Attrition was far greater. Now, Stuart, since the police department got that in place, I'd like to see the city of Omaha... And I was thinking this several years ago, let's go to some way to address the trauma in the community. Let's say there's a a homicide scene down the street, the Omaha Police Department comes in, cleans up, does our part, makes an arrest, then what? The community is still living with that trauma, right? So the Omaha city of Omaha went to a trauma-informed community about a year and a half ago, and it's designed to address that very thing, designed to address the trauma that occurs in a community and tries to get in front of that to alleviate that, minimize it, because with one trauma, that often can spur the next trauma, the next trauma, the next trauma. Kind of like somebody who who loses their job and then gets divorced in the same month. You think that might cause a little damage, might cause a third trauma? A lot of times it does. So what we're trying to do is prevent that. So it's it struck
0: me as we started our conversation how proud you seem to be of this city. Now, in some ways, let me be a little cynical, sure. it, it's part of your job to be a booster of the city, um, and I'd be surprised if you occupied this position if you weren't capable of talking about the city in positive ways. But nonetheless, you are in a unique position. We, we have many elected officials, we have many uh, civic leaders, but I think you occupy a really unique position to shape what Omaha is like mm-hmm. for everybody that lives here. And I wonder what you do with that unique
1: position. What what are your aspirations to shape this city? Well, I, I think I need to clarify something. I'm not an elected official and because I'm not an elected official, it's not necessarily my job or, or my responsibility to, to talk so glowingly about the city. But I also recognize as, as chief of police, certainly over the last several years nationally, you, you are more than a chief. You, to be really be effective you are a leader in the community and you know i recall coming up through the ranks and even when i took over this job as chief steward i thought my main role would be managing the day-to-day operations of the omaha police department which is a big which is a behemoth of you know 1100 employees or so 150 million dollar budget it's it's a lot to manage i thought that would be more of my role i quickly realized that the te- that the national tenure, the local tenure, the feel and the aura of of our communities calls for more than that. And in reality my job is more to do with working with the community and the internal police department. It used to be just one without the other. So I was a little shocked at that. But one thing I noticed is as I was out working in the community and getting to know every aspect of this city, I kind of fell for I kind of fell for every segment of, of Omaha, just how well, how well I was received, how, how well-meaning every aspect of the city is. And, you know, Omaha is lucky. They, they really are. And I get defensive when, when I hear negativity about one part of our city or another part of our city, because I'm telling you, I've been in all of them and there's some seriously great aspects to every aspect of the city. And I hope that you can tell that what, I, what I'm saying is something that I truly believe because it is. And that's why I compare Omaha to other cities sometimes. It's, 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 you never know what you have until it's gone. So that's why I say that. I'm not sure I fully answered your question. So if there's a piece I missed, fire away at I me and I'll make sure I go back and get it.
0: No, I, I, I love that because I, I even as you're talking, I get this strong sense that you have an authentic appreciation for the city as a whole and i'm i'm sure again it's only human to have certain preferences and you know things that we like to do and so on and so forth but it really comes across that the city as a whole is is something you appreciate for its difference mm-hmm. and its diversity definitely i wonder if there is anything that if if you could wave a magic wand what would you wish for in terms of the department mm-hmm. and the city
1: if if i could wave a, a magic wand and, and we know that's not totally possible but it would be complete harmony with the with the government locally in Omaha with the community i wish we could read each other's minds i wish the community could read my mind and know how well-intentioned we are i wish they could get in get in the mind of that police officer who's driving down the street in a police cruiser and really feel what his mindset might be it might shock you that it's not quite what you think it is and the one thing that i've noticed is from all all walks of life, from rich to the, the poor to various diversity groups. Everybody is a person. And if you spend some time with somebody, Stuart, think about this. No matter who you spend time with, you generally will leave that time. If you spend enough time with them, you generally leave liking them. So if I could wave a magic wand, I wish there was an opportunity where we can all spend more time together because you we would end up loving each other even more. That's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before.
0: It would be wonderful if you guys had the resources and the time to make that a reality. Mm -hmm. The ability to literally spend time with each other in environments that
1: weren't post-traumatic but were preventative and social. And we do. We spend a lot of time doing that. But duty calls… I mean, it would be great if we can have an officer walk in the beat of every street in this city. It's just not practical, and it wouldn't be affordable. So we do the best we can. The one thing w- what we can do is social media can reach all corners. So the social media piece has been something great for policing, in my opinion. It's allowed us to reach corners of, of our society that we, we couldn't reach just due to time demands, etc. Because the beat officer assignment, yes, we have them in our city. But the the city is so spread out, it's, it's rare. It is rare to have them, and, and so those personal connections are hard to make when you see somebody drive by in a police car. So we try to make those connections on social media. We try to hit all the community events. We try to host community events. We try to be a member of this community, not the overseeing arm of this community, but a member of this community. And that's that's our mindset, and we hope to even further and improve our game as we move forward because if we can, that's less and less people that are victimized in the city of Omaha.
0: To listen to this show again and to hear past shows, download the podcast at iTunes, search for Lives Radio Show with Stuart Chittenden, and leave a review while you're there to let me know what you think of the show. I've been in conversation with Todd Schmader, the Chief of Police for the City of Omaha. Thank
1: you again. Stuart, this has been great. I, I've enjoyed this conversation.
0: That's the end of this week's show. The sound engineer was Dalimar Mctizik. The magnificent Marion Fay helped produce the show. Lives is an executive production of Squish Talks. I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden. Join me next week for more community, conversation, and the people that bring community to life.